G'day punters, welcome back to the Exotic Punters Podcast. We're back for our autumn assault. Once again, I'm joined by the regular Derby Waldron Dubs. Good to be back, mate. Yeah, saying it's fantastic to be back. Of course, we started the uh, the year with the big Zach Purton interview, which was fantastic to have uh, one of Australia's greatest ever jockeys on the show. And, and now we're getting into a Group 1 racing uh, back in Melbourne, of course, with the CF4, Mr. Brightside Returns. Uh, a lot of other good races on the card at Caulfield, so much to look forward to. How has the uh, the Christmas and New Year's been for you? Just a, a good su- sort of summer slash winter break? Yeah, it's gone all right, mate. Pretty quiet. I haven't actually been following the races too much, though. I did follow the, the Magic Million sales with some interest this year as well, and um, just some breaking news from today, or I think it was yesterday, that uh, the Magic Millions two-year-old winner, Storm Boy, has been purchased by Coolmore um, for a deal that could be worth up to about $60 million if he's to win the slipper and the um, the size. So some big money in the uh, in the cult stubs. Yeah, well, it's sort of that time of the year, isn't it? It's sort of the breeders' uh, period, the two-year-olds, and uh, I always wonder... Um, it's always interesting to see if, when a horse wins a slipper what the strategy is post that. You know, you have a horse like Stay Inside that obviously ran one race and, and was no good and was retired very quickly. But then you also had Fireburn that uh, ran for basically probably another year and a half, I think, and then was retired after that. But uh, always interesting to see what the strategy is. But, yes, the Colts can be worth a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's been a big week in racing, hasn't it, Derby? It has, yeah. I suppose uh, we've had sort of uh, national sporting news, not just in the racing world, with Gil McLaughlin potentially being the front runner for the the chair role of Racing Victoria, which is uh, really massive news. I suppose, of course, Gillen finishing up with the AFL at the back end of last year uh, as its CEO. Now Andrew Dillon's taken over that role, and he's always been uh, sort of involved in the racing uh, industry. I've seen him a bit at race meetings. I saw him at Geelong Cup Day last year. Uh, so he's well, obviously a racing lover. Um, I think it would be a good hire from the perspective. I actually think he'd be better suited to that role than he was at AFL CEO. Some may disagree with me, but uh, he would give Racing Victoria sort of a platform, a bit like what Racing New South Wales has had with Peter Volandis. Um, you know, he's been massive for them and, and given them a real sort of platform in sport in New South Wales. And I feel like racing's been missing that uh, sort of uh, publicity in Victoria and getting him involved would be fantastic. So if it's true, which it sounds like it is, given the amount of reporting done on it, uh, I think it'd be fantastic hire if it does uh, come through. Yeah, absolutely. I think it'll be a great get for racing. As you said, he's very passionate about the sport, uh, and that's what we need. And obviously he's got that, um, bringing that experience from the AFL, and I agree with you. I think he'll actually be more suited towards this role. Um, and, yeah, it's, I think it's exciting times ahead uh, for Racing Victoria uh, if he does, you know, does come to be in the role. Yeah, and, look, it's obviously it's sort of a trend, you know, the, the industry's changing as, as we go along. We're seeing more and more of sort of the, the industry trying to attract a younger audience. And, you know, he's been involved in the AFL and in a period where really the membership base has just increased dramatically through his time in the AFL, you know, regularly now we're seeing clubs in the AFL get 100,000-plus members, which is pretty staggering. And, uh, you know, as, you know, when we talked to Mike Simons, he was talking a lot about how uh, racing industry is trying to move towards that younger audience and and also that 
they weren't necessarily looking towards uh, the crowd numbers that they saw back in the mid-2000s. So it's sort of an interesting dilemma, and I think he'd handle that well. But it's more just about sort of giving the industry and, and racing in Victoria a, a major platform and uh, a boost in terms of publicity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's, uh, there's been a few blows to the Autumn Carnival, hasn't there, Derby? We've seen uh, Alligator Blood. He's going to be out. Potentially, we won't see him at the races ever again um, with an injury. And also, Giggy Kick, we're not going to see him until the spring either. So two major blows um, for the Autumn Carnival. It's a bit of a shame for racing, isn't it? It is, yeah. Well, two of the more popular horses we've got in Australia, of course, Alligator Blood. I doubt if there's a more popular uh, horse with punters in the country. Just uh, delivered a lot. Uh, that rivalry of Mr. Brightside has been a real high point, I think, of racing in this state, even though last spring Mr. Brightside always managed to, uh, to get the job done over him. But, um, yeah, without Alligator Blood, uh, it sounds unlikely he'll race again. I mean, time will tell, uh, but he has been around the traps for a few years. It's been an incredible story, I suppose, the rejuvenation of him uh, post that Stradbroke handicap win back in 2022. Um, but it really does open the door for Mr. Brightside, doesn't it? We'll touch on that a bit later with, I suppose, Cam Pride of Jenny step up and take the mantle off Mr. Brightside, uh, sorry, as Alligator Blood as the main competitor to the bright side. Um, but uh, also, as you mentioned, Giga Kick, it is disappointing. We've only seen him uh, once uh, in the last, in this season, and that sounds like it's going to be it. And sort of, again, opens the door from the sprinting ranks. I suppose the Imperatures will be interesting to see uh, what he's targeted towards throughout this uh, autumn carnival. It sounds like I Wish I Win probably won't run much as well. I think the target's the TJ, but really for the whole year, everything that they do is really targeted at the Everest, of course, in October. So uh, pretty similar strategy for I Wish I Win as what we saw a year ago. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's a shame not to have these big horses um, compete in the uh, carnival, especially Alligator Blood. I hope we do see him on back on the track in the uh, springtime because he is just such a cult hero. Uh, it's such a lovable horse. You know, he's been through so much with injury and, to see him, as you mentioned, that Stradbroke for him to come back and be so successful is, you know, it's just a great racing story. So hopefully we'll see him back at the races and also Giga Kick as well. Uh, but we'll move into the uh, this weekend's racing derby. It's a cracking day at Caulfield. We've got some group racing, group one racing's back. Um, the Blue Diamond preludes are also back. We've got the Phillies, uh, Phillies one and also the Colts and Gelding sign, which we won't go over this podcast Um but they're two very open races, and it'll be interesting to see uh, those four lines going into the Blue Diamond in just a few weeks' time. Um, we'll start off in uh, race eight, Derby. It's the uh, Group Two Rubiton Stakes over the eleven hundred metres, uh, where Asfora is on the first line of betting at two dollars twenty-five at the moment. And um, you know, it feels like there's a bit of a gap in depth um, in this race. It's very dominated in the market so far by Asfora. Yeah, and probably deservedly so. I mean, Asfora um, was pipped by, of course, Imperatries in the uh, in the spring last year, but was very dominant in a few runs. Was disappointing in the champion sprint, must be said, down the straight at uh, at headquarters. But I feel like eleven hundred and a thousand is probably more her suit point. Um, I think that's where she's at her best. Uh, and if you look at her competitors in this race, you've got. Probably on the market, we've got Queen of the Ball, uh, we've got Hypothetical, we've got Vivian, but 
the question is, are they as good uh, as Asfora? I mean, you'd have to say no based on form. Of course, they're not. And Ray Magnero as well is also there, which is a horse that's stepping up from a benchmark 84. So it's a big ask for those horses to come up against the horses, won multiple stakes races, runner-up at Group 1 level. Um, and I think $2.05 is actually a pretty good price when you factor in that this Asfora is four from five at Caulfield, uh, five from seven over the 1,100, and first up is three from four. So all those numbers draw pretty well. It's drawn barrier six, which I think doesn't uh, hinder her chances at any point. So for me, it's a pretty good bet uh, on the day and probably one of the better bets on the card. Yeah, I agree, Darby. I, I think uh, she's going to be really hard to beat. And uh, as you said, one of the better bets on the card. I can't really see many horses in this field beating her. Uh, there's just such a, um, I guess, a drop in, in class to the rest of the field. Look, the only way I see her getting beaten is maybe like Queen of the Ball just goes hard out in front and they can't catch her. Um, but yeah, I, I can't... Uh, I can't see her losing. I think she's one of the better bets of the day, like you said. Mm, yeah, and, and look, as you said, you, you'd expect us four to be really competing in the bigger, you know, Group 1 races, this this preparation. And obviously this isn't the grand final, and you're always concerned, I suppose, of horses leading up to better races, and obviously it's a first up run. But the, the form difference is too hard to ignore, and I think at $2 isn't a bad price, to be honest. You're getting even money, which I saw, I think she opened at about two twenty, two twenty-five, which I think is pretty good, to be honest. It's, you know, you look at Mr. Brightside in the next race, he's a dollar eighty-five, and the gap between Asfora and her competitors in this race compared to Mr. Brightside in the CF4 is much greater. Uh, so to be honest, I think it's a pretty good bet. So, yeah, for me, I'll be on. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move into the Group 1 CF4 stakes now, Derby, over the 1,400 metres, uh, where Mr. Brightside is your odds-on favourite in what looks like a pretty competitive race as well if he doesn't bring his A game. Um, Pericles is $7 as well, coming back as a four-year-old um, from the Golden Eagle where he came um, in a really gallant second there behind the Japanese galloper. A tissue. She's back from her Group 1 win at Flemington um, in the Champion Stakes over the 2,000 metres. She'll be looking to get out to a little bit further. Bright if Jenny's back as well. She'll be hunting out in front um, following her Champions Mile win as well. She's back. Um, and it sounds like the stable was pretty happy with her. And V8's also second up um, after his win first up at Mooney Valley in uh, the Australia Stakes. It's going to be a competitive race, Darby. It looks like there's going to be a fair bit of speed out in front with Buffalo River, Pride of Jenny. And I think Mr. Brightside's going to um, get a beautiful run from Barrier 4. Um, I think he's going to be mighty hard to beat. Yeah, well, this is his suit, uh, strong point, isn't it? 1,400 over Caulfield, three from three, Mr. Brightside. As you said, from Barrier 4, very honest horse. Generally, he's on speed. Uh, makes it very hard for you know his competitors to, to chase him down. And as you said, I suppose Pride of Jenny will probably want to lead. We saw how good uh, she was in the spring with those two wins during Cup Week and actually ran a better rating, I think, than Mr. Brightside had run in her, his career, if that's correct. You correct me if I'm wrong at some point. But um, V8's, I suppose, the interesting runner, of course, just does have the fitness compared to the competitors He's stepping up to 1,400, though, which, uh, you know, he, he has won over before, of course, uh, back in the autumn 
last, sorry, in the spring last year. But uh, I, I just think looking at the data, you have to be supportive of Mr. Brightside. These sort of races he has made up just a slim pickings out of. He's just taken the mickey. Uh, he's just been super dominant over the 1,400. And he looks at this point to be the, uh, the sort of with alligator blood sort of leaving. He's by far, you would think, the best weight for age horse probably in Victoria. But this is a big test for Pride of Jenny. And the only thing I'd be, you know, a bit fear, fearing of with um, Pride of Jenny is just he did beat, she did beat Mr. Brightside. But that was me and Mr. Brightside had really had the end of a long prep. Well, I think Pride of Jenny was probably hitting her straps uh, in the champion stakes. That would be the major difference. Uh, I would have. So, um, yeah, for me, I'd be going with Mr. Brightside, but I would be just weary of other competitors, I think, as well, and other horses. It's not probably at that level, but Ayrton is a very good horse over Caulfield and over the 1,400, six, five wins from six starts uh, and six from seven at Caulfield. So, uh, you know, he may pop up and run a good race at a good price, $19. Yeah, and a horse we've failed to mention, though, was actually Munamek, um, who Ollie famously rode his last winner on here in Australia. Um, he won that Group 3 gold rush over in Perth. So he's resuming, um, you know, I guess first up um, from that run. And uh, here's a $20. So he could want to run a gallant race. But, again, I don't think he's up to this level, a bit like Ayrton. Um, so, yeah, for me, Mr. Brightside on top. And uh, I think he'll be he'll be winning this quite comfortably. Yeah, it will be a good race to watch though. But it's just good, I suppose, from a from a watching perspective. It's not a six. It's not a massive field, but at least you've got nine horses in the race, uh, and probably about six or seven of them. We haven't missing, uh, mentioned a tissue either, of course, um, <clears throat> which won the uh, the champions uh, stakes, of course, uh, on stakes on um, stakes day last year and. Buffalo River had a good spring as well. So it's a pretty good field for an early uh, season group one, which you could say we haven't had a lot. And we, it's a better field and a bigger size field. Nine horses is better than what we've seen at some stages, five or six horse fields in these sort of races. So it will be a good race to watch. Yeah. Before we get into our best bets and $100 challenge, Darby, um, a few good, nice races up in Sydney. We won't go over them, but we'll just discuss them briefly. Um, we've got the uh, Eskimo print stakes for the three-year-olds, where, of course, Caulfield Guineas winner Griff returns first up. Um, and also Tom Kitten, who won the spring champion stakes for the three-year-olds. So they'll be looking to go at uh, potential Australian Guineas or Rose Hill and Randwick Guineas tilts this preparation. Um, and we've also got the English Millennium, uh, which I believe is a $2 million race uh, for the two-year-olds. So it'll be interesting to see what horses come through that race um, leading into the slipper um, when it really starts to get to crunch time for these two-year-olds at this time of the year. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I mean, just crazy money. But just going through the uh, both Randwick and uh, Caulfield uh, fields and you just see, of course, David Eustace has left the Kiramar stable, but Kiramar this weekend could have an absolute fill-up. He has just got runners on both sides of the uh, of the Murray, and they are well favoured in the market. And he's even got some ones at a longer price, which I think could run good races as well. So look out for Kiramar. I know he's got a lot of horses, but I wouldn't be surprised if he has six or seven winners combined this weekend. He he could have a very big weekend, and I'd expect uh, him to be dominating throughout this. This carnival. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. It's a little bit weird to see in the um, 
in the book that uh, just Kira Ma on next to the trainer's name. No Dave Eustace anymore, of course. Dave moving to Hong Kong, um, gaining a, a training license there, which is really good for him. And um, I think he'll do super over there. It's a really, I guess, I think it'll be a good environment for him. And if he can bring a combination of European and Australian bloodstock over there, and uh, I think it'll be a key for success. Yeah, I think you're right. He's certainly got the racing contacts and the experience now with what he worked with Kiramar. And yeah, he is will be expecting to be very competitive over there. And just finally, just mentioning, just seeing Mars' name without the Eustace on race. Then I was going through the form of the uh, the Griff and uh, Tom Kitten race and said under Griff's analysis has said um, having run for a first trainer. I thought, well, it's it's not really a run for a first trainer. It's Kiramar's horse. So RaceNet might need to just uh, check out the typo there. But no, it will be interesting to see how David Eustace does go yeah. uh, over in Hong Kong. Oh. I'm convinced they get the work experience. Kids getting that kind, doing that kind of stuff, Dave, because you see that quite often. Um, mm-hmm. But let's move on to the best bets now, Darby. It's uh, I think it's a good weekend for the best bets. I, I think there's plenty of uh, horses there we could have picked. But who have you gone with for your best bet this weekend? Yeah, we've already touched on uh, my best bet. That is Asphora. Look, he del- delivered for me in the past. She's a super consistent horse. First up record's excellent. I think she's well and truly a grade above uh, her competitors uh, in race eight. No, it's only $2. It's not a great value, but uh, I think it's a good way to start the, the, the autumn. It's generally a tough time of year. This year. You've got a lot of two-year-old races and a lot of three-year-old races. I think it's best to stick uh, with the open fields um for betting just because they offer you with a bit more certainty and probably easier form to do so as for for me is my best bet race eight number four love it darby um i'm gonna go to race four at caulfield uh number four it's southport tycoon yes it's a uh, pretty sure price at the moment we're getting about a dollar ninety um, I'm hoping that drifts out a bit, but I think there's actually a bit of value in this. This horse ran second last start behind uh, VA in what was a really good run at the Valley. Caulfield's a lot more suitable. Barrier 5, he'll get a nice run. Um, and, of course, first run for the new trainer, Kieran Ma, according to RaceNet, Derby. Um, so, yeah, I think this horse is ready to pounce, and uh, he'll be really hard to beat. And I think uh, if we can get anything around $2 boosters, I think that's overs. Yeah, have to agree with you there. Now, for the $100 challenge, uh, looking for a big improvement this year off last year, so I'm trying to build a bank uh, early in the, in the autumn. I've just put 90 on Aspora to win at the $2, and then I've got $10 on Auto Multi, uh, all-up win. So, yeah, I'm asking for a lot, but it is paying $43. So it's uh, race three, number nine, another will. Uh, race four, number four, Southport Tycoon. Race five, number four, Yonce. Uh, as four in race eight, Mr. Brightside in race nine, obviously all Caulfield. Uh, it's paying about $43.55, so I'll have $10 on that. But, um, yeah, asking for a lot to go right there, but uh, I think they're all going to be very competitive in their individual races. Yont in particular, I think, is a really good bet. It's only its third start back, and it obviously had a long time off. But uh, you're getting about $3.10 there, which I think is a pretty good price because I thought uh, for it was very competitive uh, last start. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, Darby. Out to the mile now, so uh, I think she'll be super competitive out there. Uh, I'm going to split my um, 100 bucks up into uh, a couple of bets this week. I'm going to go a multi. Um, 
Southport Tycoon all win. Uh, as for a win, Mr. Brightel win, playing about uh, $7.09. I guess it'll depend uh, what bookmaker you're with. Um, so I want to put 50 bucks on that. Then I want to put $25 on Blanc de Blanc in race 10 at Caulfield. Um, and also, I want to put the next 25 bucks on Yonts. Um, as we just mentioned, I think she's a really good chance. I like a third up now at the mile. And, um, yeah, so she's at about that $3 mark. So we're hoping for an all-round fill-up here this weekend, Darby. And as you said, we need some major improvement from uh, the spring $100 challenge because I think, you know, it wasn't just us that struggled in the spring, Darby. I think about, just about everyone struggled big time. I don't know if I spoke to any person that um, sort of considers himself knowledgeable about racing that had a very profitable cup week. Uh, yeah. It was, it was slim pickings for just about everyone. A lot of people had a bit of money on without a fight, of course, and probably Imperatrice helped out on uh, staying the champion sprint. But aside from that, it was tough going, no question about it. But this weekend, none of them are very, uh, you know, you're not getting a lot of meat on the bone with a prize. But I think there's quite a few really good chances that we've touched on in this podcast at Caulfield. So hopefully, I think weather looks good, so we should get a good deck. So, yeah, we might be able to have a little bit of success to start off the year. Uh, start off the autumn yeah well darbs hopefully we've found some winners it's great to be back on the podcast previewing the autumn carnival and hopefully we get off to a flyer punters thanks for tuning in always appreciate the support if you haven't already make sure you check out our episode with zach purden that we posted just a few weeks ago Uh, it's a cracker and it's definitely not one to miss if you haven't listened to already